everybody. Welcome to episode number 270 of Video Game Apocalypse. I am your temporary host. Yeah, the- what are you doing touching my podcast? Michael? I leave for like two weeks, two months, uh, two years, I don't know what. What's, what's time? And you're you're here at my seat talking into my microphone. What What is this, Matt? This is a standoff, Michael. A Mexican standoff. The best kind. It's me or uh, you. Or the all right, show. all right. Let's <laughs> let's let's just jump in with episode two hundred and seventy of Video Game Apocalypse. Hi, everybody. I'm your returning host, Michael Raparas. I'm coming off of a long hiatus, so forgive the rust that's continually flaking off of my cracked and rotting body. We'll be getting up to speed over the course of this, I'm sure. It's it's weird. I will say, recording a podcast without any faces to look into. But who else is on this with me? Now desperately selling comic books, Chris Antista. And uh, second best co-host of the year, Matthew Allen. Yeah, host pro tem, who's, who's actually, <laughs> you've been doing a great job running this in my absence. So thank you for that. Yes, thank yes. you, Michael. And I just wanted to say thank you also for not jumping on me whenever I was able to, when you allowed me to sneak in wrestling references. Thank you for being <laughs> a good brother. That was too sweet of you. And really, that's just, that's the bottom line. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> he did it again! Oh, yes! Yes! Ah! yes! Yes, I did! God. All right. And joining us for the first time ever, it's... Guest of the Year, George Albor. There he is. George Albor. And and where might people have heard you before? Uh, I also run a podcast called Experience Points. It's, um, you know, it's somewhere on the internet. Yeah. Is it, I think it's the Experience Points podcast is how it came up in iTunes search, with, which I thought was a real baller move. It's sort of like at real Donald Trump. Yeah, it's, it's the, like, one, the one, the only, you know? Yes, the Experience Points podcast. Mm-hmm. But as, as people who've been following our show for a long time might remember, this is it's the end of June, it's the midpoint of the year, and that means it's time to take a look at the best games of the year so far. So far. And uh, none of us have really played any of them, so it's anyone's guess what's going to pan out here. Um, I was going to say Club Penguin, but they shut that down this year. Oh, they shut down Club Penguin? Yeah, it's bullshit. <laughs> it's, it's been an interesting year. It's, it's been weird in that I think some of my favorite games this year have actually been remakes and remasters, which we won't talk about here because that would just be a slippery slope toward... Uh, hey, this game we liked last year got re-released on a different platform. It's one of the best. Yeah, I, I can't. Um, one of the games I'm most looking forward to is Dark Souls Remastered on Switch, which I've almost mm. given up hope on. It got delayed yeah. indefinitely. I've, I've heard Very no release date. Mysteriously delayed. I was I was really amped for that one too. I settled for the Xbox One version, and it's amazing. So just double dip, like, like the rest of us. Uh, I don't work in the games industry anymore. Can't afford it. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta buy like. And I did play something today that I want to give a shout out to. That I don't know. Old people will like it. Have you heard of Horizon Chase Turbo? Yes, it mm. was super cool. If you are really into like Outrun, Super Hang On, and Rad Racer, I just haven't seen anybody make a game in that vein in quite a while. And here it is, Horizon Chase Turbo. It's on on sale if you got PS Plus. That's like the one where it's like a sort of neo-noir 80s No, no, I think that might be Drift Stage uh, you're thinking about. This is just Hmm. a more real happy version of OutRun. Uh, 3D, yeah, it's, it's, I I just haven't seen, there's been no movement in whatever that genre is, the behind the car. Was there a non-happy dark version of OutRun I wasn't aware of, (laughs) like the the alternate history OutRun? Rad Racer 2, I think that could count. (laughs) Okay, that dude to roll around in a Ferrari with like a beautiful woman next to him. That's right. 
which you could which you could which you could roll with a top down and just keep on going. (laughs) It's an outrun like genre. An outrun like genre. (laughs) Yes, it's starting now in 2018. (laughs) Just imagining like outrun black, where like you're you're driving next to like a corpse doll that's sewn together from body parts. (laughs) I knew everything. It's night all the time. You're driving with a corrupt politician who's also a zombie. The, The industry would eventually catch up to me, and I'm just so happy I stuck around long enough for it to happen. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, we uh, we assembled this year's list by voting, and it's it's amazing. Which everybody like should are... do now more than yes. ever. Vote yes, on your favorite means, games vote. or whatever else you think is important. <laughs> Sorry, I wouldn't wouldn't be VGA if I didn't start out with that kind of bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> if there's oh, an election, that... vote in it. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And by the way, this show is now Patreon supported, so you can scare me into not talking about politics by threatening to withhold your money. Not me. (laughs) Well, none of us actually give a shit, but we'll get to that right after this. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time Network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. Anyway, so I I do ask this girl for a number, and I say, you know, hey, is it is it okay if I like send you, you know, memes? I'm a dork. I like to send people memes, and she's like, oh yeah, I love that. So one of the first things I send her is. Um, you're familiar with um there's like a kids book it's like a scary stories to tell in the dark scary stories (laughs) yes and so there's one story it's like i think it's called the scarf or the green scarf and it's this girl so the girl jenny and jenny wears a green scarf around her neck and boy falls in love with her the boy asks her can i see what's behind no you can't see what's on the scarf and spoilers for this like (laughs) 28 year old child's book that none of you're gonna fucking read but they get married they have a whole married, and like she's on her deathbed and they're old and he what's underneath the scarf and so she lets him untie the scarf and her head falls off. <gasps> so the scarf was holding her head on. Mm-hmm. So in this meme... That scarf had to be disgusting. <laughs> For yeah. sure. Uh, and the meme that I sent to her was a variation of that, but instead of her head falling off, there is instead a uh, insane clown bossy <laughs> tattoo. <laughs> and... And then, way worse. And, and then the last frame of the, of the, of the meme of the text is, is uh, what the fuck, Jenny? <laughs> So I meet her at a bar and uh, we have some drinks and she's like, but did you know, did you know that like I'm a juggalo? Like I really like I and I'm like, I'm like, you're fucking shitting me. Like you did. You're, you're not. And she's like, no, I am. I have I have violent ball, violent J, violent J and shaggy uh, too dope, shaggy too dope uh, tattooed on the on and each Kevin one of my Smith characters. That didn't make yeah, it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. And we're back and ready to get into the top five. Let's jump in with... Number five. Quill was out adventuring beyond the edge of the clearing. Dusk was creeping in, but she wondered what she might find if she went just a little farther. She was not exactly sure what she roused, but she felt no danger from the beings silently peering down at her. All right, Chris, you know what this is. Do I? 
I had the sound down. You've played it fairly recently. I've seen achievement or trophies for it in your PSN account. Really? I don't believe yeah. you. It's a VR game. Oh, my God. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I it really did turn down my sound effects. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, this is, I, I think, the, the only thing I could say is the can't miss, the, like, the must-play VR game. Yeah, it's it's Moss, which is a weird pick for uh, Games of the Year so far list. But uh, I think, you know, one of the, the advantages to kind of doing a niche show like this is that we can recommend things that are something a lot of people wouldn't try. And this one was enchanting or is enchanting. Uh, it's It's one of the few games I've played this year that I had trouble putting down. And I think it's on the one hand, it's like it's VR, which is sort of an oddball platform at this point which allows for a lot of experimentation at the same time like this isn't at all what you'd expect from vr it's not really like a first person immersive thing but uh it's also one of the most original and interesting uses for vr i've ever seen have have george uh matt have you guys had a chance to try this at all i have not no i don't own vr but is i mean is this is this why i should buy vr well i mean it's as good a reason as any it's i think it's a great game but i i think if i'm being totally honest it could work almost 100% without VR. Um, it's okay. just better with VR. Like, I was watching Incredibles. I had to get uh, Incredibles 2 tickets to 3D show, which I hate, and my, with my dad. And explain to him why I hated 3D. And it's not that I hate it. It's that those 3D glasses make things darker. And eventually, I just forget I'm watching a 3D anything. And I, I end up having watched a darker version of a movie I wanted to see. <laughs> so I don't, like, I don't like 3D. And, so, and, and, and most of the other VR stuff I've played is either, like, like you could categorize as novelty or like I played Resident Evil 7 yeah. um but it was not after a while I sort of forgot I was in VR you know and it just felt yeah. like playing it right. without VR because there's there's well, not many enhanced VR features I right. think there are and and what it is is um if you haven't played Moss mm-hmm. it's it's sort of like Eco if you've ever played that, it's a puzzle platformer set in like this really picturesque crumbling ruin of a castle it's and like Mouse Guard sort of like yeah, it's it's very yeah. mouse guardy. You're you're controlling a little mouse uh, at the same time as you are using your vantage point as like a reader to uh, look around the stage. And, and VR allows you to like peek around things yes. you wouldn't otherwise be able to, which is is really yes. Neat. And, and I, I was only going to say with with Resident Evil Seven, I do eventually get like and just VR in general. I get wariness. We're like, I got to stop doing this for a little while. This I'm an old man. This takes a little more energy than normal. I didn't get that with Moss. I didn't get yeah. fatigue, like like sensory fatigue. Because I gotta it say, <laughs> co- comparing this to Eco and Mouse Guard has me super jazzed. It should. And then that's, yeah, that's, 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 that's the thing I've I heard love- about it is, is it's like the first true, or one of the first true like must play game experiences in VR. Where they they were kind of with VR, Michael, as you mentioned, it's it's almost an oddball platform at this point because there haven't been many like system sellers, if you will, or things that like mm-hmm. hey, you have to experience this. And I don't think you're going to hang your hat on the mouse game to do that either. But uh, what I've heard, it's kind of what it's Chris gotta was saying. It's got to be a saying. small hat. Yeah, that's <laughs> a very tiny hat. Um, but it's everything else has sort of been a novelty or an experience, um, whereas this is one of the true – one of the few true like games experiences that that actually mm-hmm. yeah you can play to it's, it's similar to Resident Evil Seven yeah yeah and what I, one of the things I love about it and, and the great way that it uses VR one it the characters you're controlling the mouse but you're also helping her out with 
elements in the environment. And if you move your head to certain angles, which I'm doing in the mic to really bother everybody right now, um, <laughs> I can hear it. Uh, you can see you can see around corners you couldn't see otherwise, and it just happens so naturally. You for, sort of forget you're in a VR experience, but you're doing something that kind of can only happen with like modern head tracking. But I also love that like the mouse constantly acknowledges you and like points at you and like let's go do like look over there. And there's yeah. there's hidden things you can find if you crane your head the right way. And it's just it's it's I don't think it's the innovation any of us expected from VR at all. But it turns out to be one of the most worthwhile to like a, a little to a gameplay aspect. I, I Chris, really can, like it. Let me ask you well, this, I mean, Chris: if you if you look over at one point when you're riding on the back of the bird through the city, can you see a topless woman in the window? No, That's it's not the rescuers. <laughs> no, no. But I I will say the uh, the fact that the, the mouse quill that she acknowledges you is I, I think a key part of the game's charm. And it's not just yeah. that she acknowledges you; it's that you are a character in this story at yep. the same time as you're in the story experiencing the story uh which is uh, the spoken parts like uh for, for the most part quill just uh communicates with you with like sign language not like actual american sign language but like i'm gonna point at that thing i'm gonna look <laughs> sad yeah. whatever uh but then uh it's it's like storybook style where there's a narrator who does different character voices something started right. helping me Uncle Argus followed her motion. A reader. Quill, what you found is very powerful and very dangerous, he said with great concern. If I could take this burden from you, I would. But this reader has chosen. Yeah, so you're a reader. It, it's, it has that kind of never-ending story vibe where you, you are actually, your character is sitting in a library reading a book, but the book comes to life and you're immersed inside of it as this character. And like when you look down into the water, you can see yourself as like this uh, glowing mask. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so you have a presence in this world. Yeah. So they, how, much, they... how much does it help that you're not actually interacting with the world from a first person perspective as though you yourself are navigating it, right? Like my understanding is you sort of help out this mouse from a sort yeah. of god game perspective almost it's mm-hmm. it's it's like a dollhouse aspect or yes. or directing a wes anderson movie about a guy who uh, right. hunts for sharks yeah. <laughs> like, like every uh every, think of it as every level is like a dollhouse on a table in front of you right so purely from a usability perspective it seems like this is a more uh, accessible vr game something that's not going to give me nausea for example yeah right. absolutely and i think i think a lot of what you would call core VR games are pretty much like first person shooters and you know stuff that relies on jump scares but this is like one thing that like no you can recommend this game to anybody uh, it, it's safe for all ages and I just I don't know there's there's so many things that Michael did you get a chance to, do you ever like forget like oh shit I should look to the right and left just for the hell of it because like there's all these details about the world uh, scattered around like extinct yeah. animals and like oh that's a lot of rusted swords in this weird swamp for some reason mm-hmm. Sometimes, and sometimes I just get wrapped up in poning news. <laughs> I like the little squeaks as she, like, does her combos and gets knocked down. And then gets up yeah. again. But the, yeah, the enemies in this are like these, uh, these ancient automatons that they come to life and chase after you and... Yeah, there, there's some strategy involved, but it, it's pretty light. It's really just the uh, 
the big focus is the puzzles that and you the pu- solve with I a love combination the, of VR and running around. The puzzle aspect is like if you're stuck, try like just craning your head around and seeing if you're missing something. Mm-hmm. Or, or look maybe at, reach out your hand and, and try to manipulate this thing. Or, or look control. at Quill because like when, when that that possessing these environment elements, she'll start pointing at things like hit that <laughs> and point it that way. Like you're a fucking like, oh. idiot! Come on, figure it out already. But it's it's just so fucking cute, and it and it feels it feels like uh, you feel less dumb as a result of it. Try this, dummy. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's it's a lot of fun. I I really strongly recommend it if you've got a PSVR or any one of the PC like an Oculus or a Vive because it just came out to PC a little bit ago. Um, it is fantastic, but the law of numbers say that it is not as fantastic as oh. our number four. Who knows what that is? Well, I'm I guessing do. since you played only a few seconds of gameplay, uh-huh. uh, knowing what I know, that is audio from minute the game that you play in seconds and minutes at a time yes so who who among you have played this gym i did because you made me yes <laughs> i did because it's awesome that's true so how how far did you get chris not very far but i was really late i was kind of hammered and it was like it I, I can't tell if i was in love with the mechanic or really frustrated with it Hmm. The kind of like go as far as you can in sixty seconds, die and come back. But I don't know. Yeah. Eventually, you sort of feel like, well, this didn't pan out. There's twenty seconds left in the clock. I'm just going to die and go back to this trailer. Mm-hmm. I'm not. We're not explaining the gameplay well, but um. <laughs> no. Well, it it is like a. It's basically a black and white Zelda with like sort of minimalist characters. And you are out for a walk one day trying to find your watering can, and instead you find a cursed oh, sword. Oh, watering can. Oh, no, the watering oh, can. No. Don't forget to ask your parents oh. to call it. Poor George. It's an inside joke. Good one, guys. <laughs> uh, it's Alfred Chicken. It's a throwback to an earlier episode. Never mind. Callback. Uh, yeah, callback. But so uh, you find this back. cursed sword. You find a cursed sword. It kills you in 60 seconds and then revives you back at home. To be perfectly so, honest, I had no idea that's what it was about. Really? I just started playing it, yeah. I mean, it, I didn't really realize there was much of a story. You didn't even <laughs> buy the game, it just appeared on your desktop, and you said, oh, I'm just going to start clicking and playing. It's yeah, weird I, like that. It's haunting my And pursuit. ever since then, you've you've lived your life in 60-second increments. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> the game is not I'm without actually, a Q-basic quality where it might be on your, your hard drive and you don't even know it yet. You've actually died like 20-plus times since Easy. we started recording this show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it, it, is, um, it is a lot of fun. It's, uh, I mean, that 60-second... That time limit sounds really onerous at first and and it at first it kind of is especially when you run into assholes like this guy so kind of hard to tell but that guy is an old man who hangs out at a lighthouse oh my god when you go up to him he's <laughs> he just starts talking very slowly and tells you this very long story that in the end is useful and tells you where to find a treasure 
but I, uh, you but will I, probably die right as he finishes if you do it right. I know, yeah. but the game looks like all cute and shit, like a fucking rare game for the goddamn Amistrad. Yeah. But you're mm-hmm. still essentially Jason Statham and Crank. <laughs> what did I say? I don't know how to say it. You're still Jason Statham and Crank. Like, hurry the fuck up! I've never yeah. seen <laughs> that turtle guy the- <laughs> is like my easily the best character in the game. I love yes. the fact that this guy takes a full like 55 seconds to tell you some <laughs> basic information. Was was that just my audio, or is he kind of sounding? He sounds like a like muffled Goofy in the background. He's like, woo, 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 yeah, woo, he, he woo, just goes, woo, 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 woo. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, fan- he- it's such a troll joke. It's great, but you guys oh, aren't lying. This thing looks best. like straight up like a rare ZX Spectrum. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. There, that's game, what I was right? going for. Well, and yeah. it's full totally of, does. It's full of like little nods and little like inside jokes about like adventure games, right? Like it fully is fully aware that it is a sort of trolly challenging uh, adventure game in that vein. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, lo- I love the idea that you get this like anime Super Saiyan splash to let you know there's a watering can at your house now. Congrats. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Every yeah. when you get like a camera, it's like whoosh. I mean, but it, it, it should do that, right? Because yeah. so much of the game is built around uh, trying to understand in your head the physical landscape of this place to get these items. So when you actually yeah. get one, which you get to keep no matter what when you die, it's this huge sort of profound moment of like, sweet, I have the watering can. I can finally, <laughs> you know, I don't know, garden or whatever. But it, it now, actually, Water my bean plant or whatever that is. Yeah, like it unlocks all of these new opportunities. And now you're like, oh man, where did I see fire? Can I unlock that part? Where else can I go now? Like where in the map where was, can I uh, finally Where's a man dying of thirst in the desert? Maybe he can be helped with my watering exactly. can. Exactly. Maybe he can help me find the cool shoe store in the desert. Yep. And it is a very self-aware game. Like, if you've played Undertale, it, it kind of reminded me a bit of that. It's like, yes, it's it's very conscious of the genre. It's it's very conscious of the fact that, like, yeah, you, you know these conventions. You're playing this game. We're, we're putting our own spin on it, and we're just going to have a right goof about while we do it. <laughs> so let me ask you guys. You know, what you explain, like, oh, yeah, you have to find a certain thing to get, you know, somewhere else in the world. That all does sound like Zelda. What's the reasoning behind the whole minute gimmick? Is it just what George was saying? Like, it's that much more rewarding that you have limited time to figure it out? Or, or... Yeah, it kind of is. And it also means that all of the tasks that you have to do can be accomplished in yeah. 60 seconds or less. Yeah. So it's it's a matter of, like, figuring out how to do that or... Uh, I want to get to the next uh, home base so I can respawn from there when I die. Can I do it in 60 seconds? Can I? Because f- you're exploring, and you don't want to waste time while you're exploring, but you inevitably will. Yep. Um, so, it, yeah, it just kind of it puts a little bit of a leash on you and uh, kind of puts some urgency behind what you're doing that probably wouldn't be there if it was just a straight-up simple Zelda clone. I just want to yeah. picture two guys in a garage, like the developers, like with this this bug that basically makes the game reset every 60 seconds and they just can't figure it out and they're just like you know what yeah. fuck it ship it that makes it, it even better just ship it i mean it, it, it feels does. like a game jam idea that someone yeah. really saw through to fruition yeah. and, and it it kind of feels that way but in a very good way yeah, yeah. or a peter molly do idea yeah <laughs> i think one of the things that i love about minute is that by focusing on those 60 seconds it really sort of creates that refined experience you have whenever you're playing a game where there's like distinct runs like um i i compare a lot of games to dark souls so i'm gonna go ahead and compare minute to dark souls but if you're familiar with that franchise there are times when you are on a run not to advance not to get a bunch of kills but you just want to get a lay of the land 
yeah. then there'll be runs in Dark Souls where you're farming. So you know you're going to die, but you're just going a little bit far out where you're comfortable collecting souls coming back. And then there are the boss runs. And that's what minute feels like. Every 60 seconds is you trying to maximize your time to take on one particular goal. And by sort yeah. of bringing it down into this really like, you've got six, oh my God, you only have 45 seconds now because you dilly-dallied in your apartment. Like, how far can you get and what can you do? It feels like really digestible in a way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in a way that was like my least favorite part of Stardew Valley was the timer for every day. But I feel like if it was only a minute at a time, I would be a lot less pissed <laughs> off, right? Because Mad Valley was like... Ripping carrots out of the ground. <laughs> yeah. No, Stardew Valley was super annoying. You'd be like doing a really good like cave run and you're, but then it was like you would pass out because it would reach I think in the cave it was like 2am but this game because mm-hmm. it's not so long it's like well it is only a minute I'm constantly conscious of that time yeah but it's like if you're it, one of the things that I did like about it like imagine you're playing a Zelda game like oh I met this character like 20 minutes ago I don't I don't want to walk all the way back. Oh, if I hit one button, I will instantly kill myself and be worked back to a more, a more an easier <laughs> yeah. place. Yeah. Like, oh shit! So, it so it's Majora's a feature, Mask, not a bug. It, it's yeah, basically yeah. Majora's Mask, is what you're saying. Where you? Can I like the crank analogy a lot. That's very. <laughs> <good. laughs> mm-hmm. See, I was going to go for the obvious one of gone in sixty seconds, but I like crank better. Crank's very good. <laughs> Interesting. Hey, can someone pull that sound clip out and just you know have that for George? Crank is very good. Crank, crank, crank is very good. You can quote me on that. That'll be yeah, we might, we might end up reusing that. <laughs> Those guys should make uh, a movie about a game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Number three. We knew this moment would come. We were prepared for it. Go. Go. God will not let them take me. Ooh, what could this game be? Uh, I don't know. Probably the game I put the most time into in 2018. Yeah, I mean, you guys both voted for it. George, you and I work at the company that made this. Full disclosure. Yep. Yeah. I abstained. I, I guess. I <laughs> I just finished it um, this week. Actually, like finished the campaign. So that was Far Cry Five. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that that is the father, the enigmatic cult leader, who you show up to arrest at the beginning of the game. And either, spoiler, you don't arrest him and you get a secret ending, or you arrest him, everything goes to hell, and you get a fun survival adventure where you get to meet this guy. Ah, uh, hey man, I'm sorry. I don't want to go on assuming nobody's gender or nothing. I, I mean, I don't mean no disrespect. I just call all my homies dude or bro or man, you know, regardless of vegetalia or penile-ness-ness. Can I just say that's one of the most impressive things about the game was that Herc's dialogue didn't feel forced and like it actually was genuinely funny a lot of the time. And it was all contextual. Like Mm -hmm. he, he was quipping constantly in that. Oh yeah. Like if you have him along as a, as a sidekick and, and he'll like my favorite thing about the uh, the guns for hire is that they will interact with each other. Yeah, and it's it's all contextual. So like, if you have him together with like his mom, uh, who's a recruitable character, they'll talk. Or like with that huntress girl, they'll they'll talk. Uh, what was her name? Jess Black, I, I think. You're you're talking as though you don't exclusively use a mountain lion and a dog the entire. Thank game. you. I, well, I will say I was nothing. using the mountain lion with Herc, and the whole time he talks about, "Hey man, I'm sorry, I just smoked the last of my catnip, man, because that would have been pretty." 
awesome. And yeah, he will straight up. By the way, did you just do a spoiler, Michael? Who's his mom? Is is Herc's mom? Uh, Adelaide. She's the helicopter pilot that you can recruit. Dude, that is a big reveal. I did not know that because I never you paired them that? together. No. I feel like, yeah, his, it's it's a, a Herc family uh, reunion, I guess, because you got his dad, who's an asshole, who talks about Obama-loving libtards. Yeah. <laughs> and then you've got his mom, Adelaide. Uh, you've got his cousin, Sharky Boshaw. God, what a who's, fucking who's, great name! That is a so great good. name. Yeah. It sounds like that, love yeah, that or a really bad like restaurant chain from like, Sharky Boshaws. Come on down, two thousand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, come on down to Sharky Boshaws. We got two but for I, one shots. I I do love that if uh, if you pair Sharky up with with Jess as your sidekick, uh, he's like, hey Jess, because she's she's an archer. So he's like, did you like that? Uh, robin hood movie with the fox when you were a kid is like you know i can i can wear a tail if you're into that oh man that's i don't know that's that my only frustrating thing about this game and i talked about it with somebody who might be on the show (laughs) i think i think um you know as as a raging libtard i think i came into this game with like fantasies of like man this is really going to let me take out my revenge on the people making my life miserable right now who i disagree with <laughs> yeah. and it, and it's and it's not that and i and i thought the, a religious cult in montana in the modern day was such a fucking fascinating premise but throughout the game like the writing for all the tertiary characters was so great and i really hated every single interaction i had with everybody else <laughs> Yeah, or with, with the main I, character, with the, I, I'm with the main su- cult leaders. I guess I'm just surprised, though. I feel like I've heard that reaction a lot, but I feel like there hasn't been an actually, and story wise, since Far Cry Two. I I don't know. I've never none of these games ever felt to me like they were super serious when it came to the single. No, no, no. Movie. And I, I think no, they've I think, always been kind of silly. I think on one side that is wrapped up in my own awful expectations and what this society in 2018 has created me to be. Fair. Uh, on the other, on the other. Um, and I don't mean to offend people uh, who work for... I, I think it's a too big a company trying to appeal to too big a people that d- couldn't really utilize this premise to say something about religious cults or these kinds of people. Uh, at the end of the day, there's just a... I think... But you're right. The the, the um, recruitable characters and the other people you talk to are fucking fascinating. I mean, as a hilarious. cult leader myself, I find this oh, very yeah. accurate. But, but though I hated the boss battles. I hated them so much. But everything else about the game, the idea of being dropped off in the wilderness and slowly learning everything and slowly fucking with everything and yeah. slowly getting turning into this Superman, I didn't even realize until friends came over and I showed them the game that, like, yeah, I can jump off a mountain, paraglide into this guy's face, uh, immediately obliterate his body. In, like, four seconds, I did, like, these amazing acrobatics that, like when I was playing on my own, I didn't see as like, oh, I'm a Superman. I've slowly become a Superman very fast with a controller. It, it just, I just felt like I could. At the end of the game, I could do so much so fast. I couldn't fucking believe it. Yeah, yeah that's kind of part of the allure of Far Cry, and especially this one, which tries not to lock you into a linear narrative. Instead, you're following a bunch of smaller narratives. But even so, it has some things to say about the illusion of free will. Everybody thinks they have free will. But, come on, when's the last time you did something that wasn't required? Demanded? Nah, Rook. We don't live our lives. We live theirs. Ooh, deep. Uh, Is that one of those, like, drug-fueled benders you have in the game? Yes. That is the bliss. So the the game actually is broken up into three different zones, and each one has a boss. And and that's... um, 
Faith, I think is her name, is the boss mm-hmm. in that one. And her whole zone, yeah. that to me was the most annoying zone because it's full of these plants that basically put you on drug trips. And yeah, that was, I would say one of the most annoying parts of the game is if every time you reach a certain level of progress, there are these missions where they go out and capture you and they're unavoidable. Like you can't, you know, you could be on your game and just headshotting right and left and you're still going to basically pass out and yet you're stuck in these cutscenes that last a long time. And that was one of the... That I believe that was the other deputy that was went out with you to make the arrest. That kind of is, yeah. Is so converted. it's the federal marshal, mm-hmm. okay, that's yeah. giving you that speech, right? right. Which but, I only... Although I I did like Faith's region a lot because it, as much as like yes, you do get uh, dosed with bliss and dragged into these weird hallucinatory sequences, like it it lets the designers push the boundaries of reality a little bit, so you get like some weird spooky stuff that you understand is uh because of the bliss but like oh i'm chasing like a weird shadow ghost around these caves well what i like is in previous far cry games there was always like the drug levels there would be like a couple characters that Mm. would like put you on a drug trip and in this one it was just like well we're just mixing that in the main gameplay in this one region where that's going to happen yeah did you did you accidentally blow away this buffalo with a shotgun surprise it's a cougar Yes. Oh no. Yeah. Well, there were there were some the missions where they would like send you after these like boss yeah boss animals that were basically just uh, they were overdosing man, on this. I would, would ca- like, I would I would rocket this to number one purely based on the character Judge Moose. If there's yes, a Judge the Moose. Judge Moose. Moose. <laughs> yeah, it, they're, they're the judge characters. Yes. Yeah. Fucking great. The one thing it was kind of adding to what Chris was saying. Um, I think it was brilliant about the game is they do slow slowly introduce you to things that. The other Far Cry games kind of would have a shortcut and, you know, the same thing with Assassins where to get the lay of the land, they would basically have you climb a radio tower. And what this game does is it piecemeals that out and you actually have to interact with the NPCs and people throughout the world and they will tell you about, hey, there's a side mission over here or, hey, there's there's a prepper stash over there. Like that to me was a game changer for the series because, you know, in many ways it is much – it's more of the same, which, by the way, for me, I love Far Cry, so more of the same is fine. But they did change that up because people were – people were almost like overwhelmed by the mini maps of these games. Yeah. Like, Hey, I get there and there's a thousand icons, but the way they piecemeal it out now is, Oh no, you there's, there's an icon for one NPC and he might tell you about a few different things out in the world. So it slowly reveals itself and it's much more manageable at that point. Yeah. It's much more elegant solution to their problem. Yeah. yeah for as sure. an, as an open world game, the only reason I didn't, I like at, like I'm feeling like a bystander why I didn't like those missions where you automatically like fall down and end up in a story element is just because I never ever wanted to leave this the open world portion ever. Yep. I right. was constantly fucking around with you know, I'm an adult it's hard for me to justify that shit to like <laughs> mess around in an open world for 60 hours but like yeah. just the like playing around with that environment I I swear I would say taking out like my expectations and the uh, the cult leaders to me it was like the perfect fucking experience. I loved being being able to run free around Montana. It was amazing. I had no idea I would like that environment more than like a palatial jungle or like right. and it, being amongst ancient ruins in the in the mountains. I had I did not think I'd prefer that environment. They, they gave you a lot to do. They gave you they introduced the fishing elements more, which which had more to do. It, yeah, there was. The one thing, I, my other nitpick will be, there was, they kind of exchanged certain things. So one of my favorite things about the previous Far Cry games was the crafting that, like, you would go skin certain animals and that would be used to, like, upgrade your quiver or something like that. So a, a lot of that got yanked out of the game in favor of just, yeah, when you go hunting, it's just exchangeable for money and then you can, you can buy things or you get upgrades through exp- these uh, challenges and perks, you know. So mm-hmm. I love the challenge thing. I, 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 I'll take it. 
but I did miss some of the crafting elements that were removed. And I think maybe they took that up. People would poke fun at it. It's like, yeah, man, I got to go skin three rhinoceri uh, in order to, to like craft a, a new wallet. Yeah, know? bigger wallet. <laughs> yeah. But I, uh, to me, that was sort of fun because it was it gave me a little micro task to accomplish in the world. Yeah. But that, again, nitpick. My only thing I will also say with the expectations of the story, like, I, I don't know. For me, I kind of, having played previous Far Cry games, it was exactly what I was expecting. I don't know. I, I know there was that narrative out there when the game came out. It was like, hey, they had a chance to really tell this thing, and they, they missed. And I'm like, have you played Far Cry? They did what they always do, and it was perfectly fine for that. And, yeah, yeah. if anything, the enemies, they're pretty one note. Like, none of them are likable. Like, none of the, the boss characters are likable. Well, this guy is gun. really good at not being likable. Despite all that you have done, you are not beyond salvation. You're not here by accident or by chance. You are here by the grace of God. You've been given a gift. Now it remains to be seen whether you choose to embrace it. Or to cast it aside. Uh, the father, you're so gross. Uh, but I, I will say, this game came out uh, within about two weeks of the Netflix documentary Wild Wild Country. Yeah. Which, I don't know if you guys have seen that. I, I watched it after I'd finished Far Cry 5, and it felt like the, this whole incident with uh, the, the Rajneeshis taking over this town in Oregon, uh, walking around with their pink uniforms and their assault rifles, like... Is it? It really did feel like Far Cry Five took some inspiration from that whole incident. I, it, it had to. It, I mean, it for right. sure did. It was weird in that it mixed the bad guys and the good. Like basically, there were kind of good guy preppers and bad guy mm-hmm. preppers, and the cult yeah. was a mixture of like preppers with this religious cult, and they were prepping for the end of the world. But yeah, there were also good guys that they had their bomb shelter. Like everyone has a fucking bomb shelter in this game, dude. Yeah. Like everyone you have a bomb shelter, Matt. I'm, no, I'm sorry. California earthquakes. We can't have one. That's yeah. true. Well, you get you know the the sensitive militia types, and uh, you know. I mean, no one is likable in type. either documentary or game. So I think it checked out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, but it's got that that GTA element where like I love all these side characters so yeah. much. Out of curiosity, Man, go did, find my lighters. God damn it, I lost them all. Did uh, did any of you guys play multiplayer? Like play the game co-op? Because I feel like when you're actually with another person in that open world environment, that's where Far Cry Five really shines. I didn't, but I did play. Oh my god, what what is not the multiplayer, the but arcade, like the, the, the arcade, the arcade mode, mode was Far Cry yeah. pretty oh, fucking was cool. Great. Yeah, well, that's just sort of a rebranding of. St- they'd had a map maker mode that they featured pretty heavily in in four, mm. but now arcade. Arcade just is that with a lot more extra stuff layered on top, and it's fun. It, yeah, I've played that a little bit. I haven't tried the yeah. co-op, though, George. Although, yeah, I hear that, like, it's just... I mean, the game is a chaos simula- simulator. It always yes. has been. And playing co-op just, like, basically doubles that chaos for you. Yeah, I mean, someone else causes the chaos. And the, there's just a lot of, like, different environments and set pieces you can set up, right? Like, at one point I tried to sky... What is it called? Wing glide? Through the wingsuit, yeah, yeah the wingsuit wing yeah. through the open doors of a helicopter and just slammed into the oh, front nice. instead. And I mean, there's just crazy <laughs> shit like that you could do when you have a friend. But but 
But it, it feel like you probably could do it I, if yes. you just lined it up a little better. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and did, was he able my... to walk over and revive you with a one button press? Because that's one of my favorite parts. You yeah. get shot to shit, and you can have the bear, your bear companion, yes. walk over and revive you. Hamburger or cheeseburger, <laughs> the bear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so dumb. I love that's, it. It's dumb. That's my my favorite part about the game is like the, like tricking you into not seeing what a superhero you become, and and just the agency that it gives you in this weird little world that you. Again, I didn't think would be such a fun playground, but was to me my favorite Far Cry game. I, yeah, and the superhero thing, like aside from the wingsuiting, like I, I did enjoy the feeling that like I have become an indomitable cone of bullets that I just project <laughs> toward my enemies. Yeah, yeah, and 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 it it delivers something that I've always really loved, which is when you become this unstoppable badass in a game, and the the bad guys still like grossly underestimate you. Yes. It's like I'm just going to put you in this chair and walk away. Yeah. I bet you. You're not going to do anything. You're going to fucking die. Yeah, I have like, oh, yeah, I'll fucking kill you. But I think that's mm-hmm. my frustration with those forced like cinematics that they captured me. I'm like, no one can fucking touch me in this game. What are you talking? <laughs> I just I just fought yeah. a bear. I punched a bear to death. You can't capture me. Yeah, you didn't count on my ability to fast travel. <laughs> <laughs> I, by the way, I know VGA is the show people come to for hot strats. So a little hot strat. Oh, yeah, I yeah. learned it too late. Um, unlock the perk that lets you air dive into locations as soon as possible. Oh, that's that's crazy, dude. That will make reaching other locations so much faster. Because basically you just find one close to where you need to go on a map and air dive and then wingsuit over to where you need to go. And yeah. if I can do a dumb, though, a dumb sorry. strat, uh, pull back <laughs> on the analog stick when you're doing that. Because for about two days, I push forward and like, this is dumb. And I just careen to the ground. <laughs> uh, what's what's yeah. the Chris name? Constantly nose diving. What's the name of the stunt man? The evil Knievel guy. Clutch um, Nixon. My God, can we fucking get a Clutch Nixon game, please, Ubisoft gentlemen? Can you make this happen for it's me? Not a bad I need idea. it now. Sure, I'll just do that. Yeah, I mean, write that I mean, up. Far Cry, Far Cry <laughs> Blood Dragon is sort of that. I'll, hey, by the way, which makes a cameo in the game. I won't really spoil much, but Blood Dragon's in there. Yeah, but yeah, please give me a Clutch right. Nixon game. That is the. Super Dave Osborne stuntman simulator game I've always wanted and that I never knew I wanted. Jesus I wanted to say Knievel, why is Super Dave Osborne your touchstone for Daredevils? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He was always on HBO growing Cause, up. Because he was a parody of like 70s Daredevils, and I 70s suppose. Daredevils were gone by the time we were self aware. This yeah, is but with true. a horrible voice. Your cunt is in the sink. <laughs> <laughs> I'm super. That's His a- voice only got worse, too, by the time he was on Curb. It was like Jesus. That was dude. that was but, a curb line for everybody who hates that word. Jesus. I mean, he was years uh, into right. piles of cocaine at this point. So, <laughs> yeah. well, here, here's the thing about the wingsuiting, though. I absolutely loved being able to just basically fly everywhere that I needed to go. On the other hand, it kind of made me feel detached from the world after a while. Like I kept seeing people talk about, like, oh, the way that it's built is so great that it invites exploration in certain directions. Like, yeah, I'm just like flying over the whole hmm. thing. That certainly and, explains and uh, when President I've, Trump. He just flies uh, everywhere and he feels detached <laughs> from the world. But when yeah. I when I finished the game I kinda of felt like I'd missed something because I'd just done that all the time. Or like, you know, maybe I'm just like trying to play this as a linear game when I shouldn't be. Yeah. yeah. I'm thankful yeah. I discovered how to use the wingsuit a little later because the only things I bought in the game were a four-wheeler in a plane as oh. methods of traversal. And once I bought, like, unlocked the wingsuit, like, I don't need either of these ever again. You need a helicopter with massive fucking guns on it is what you yeah. need. Oh, yeah, yeah. The rockets and the helicopter... That's that'll do you right in a far like taking over an outpost without ever getting out of a helicopter. That's and, and, awesome. Yeah. And see, I the, love to doing me, that. 
and you guys know me, and, and George, you don't know me as well. Like I am bad and um, have low patience with stealth. I didn't even know you could do that because this game made me a more yeah. patient stealth person. Like mm-hmm. I loved going in like underarmed and walking into a tire base and slowly removing everybody. Yeah, that's how yeah. I appreciate yep. it. Bow and arrow, headshot from a distance. And we the should way say, to take I think it, the beginning of Far Cry 5 is actually pretty challenging, so I think it rewards that type of play. Oh, the, that yeah. opening scene where you're you're basically running from the dudes, that's intense. That That is... Uh, few games have made my heart race at any point in, in the, you know, kind of recent past, but that oh, yeah, game, yeah. That, is in, that scene is intense. Yeah, that's a great, great moment. But uh, as great as this game is... I have a feeling you guys like this one better. Number two. Well, you were right. There's our mark. Something's got him agitated. You know what this is. Could you have picked a clip, though, that had less to do or less <laughs> seemed like it was from this game less? Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> that was i don't know it's it's hard to find uh good sound clips in monster hunter world Ooh, wah, wah, god, wah. Damn. god damn <laughs> yes. i love this game and I, I come on if you've been listening to the show for a couple of years i've been the monster hunter champion for about mm-hmm. half a decade now and the whole world finally got on board and i couldn't be happier I, I, I i'm actually really curious about this because this is the very first monster hunter game i've ever played how does it feel now that people are fans like do you feel like I don't know? Are you like the cool kid? No, I, I, I love it because like all of a sudden I wasn't playing with randos. I could I knew who I could depend on. I could call certain people that I knew had certain kinds of armor or a weapon that could take care of a a, a monster a little more efficiently, yeah. which I didn't really have before. I could I could I could put out that plea and just hope that happened. But like I've never played this game with so many people I knew online before, mm. and it worked so. F- fucking well after the first day i had a lot of problems with the online the first day which you can see in our youtube video mm-hmm. but uh yeah i loved i fucking loved watching monster hunter step into the current generation because yeah. it's been stuck in like the ps2 era for so mm-hmm. long but like the core Why mechanics change what works chris well, the, the core mechanics <laughs> like if you could avoid like how the visuals looked which was easy to do on a 3ds it was an amazing game, but most people couldn't get past all that. And, like, you didn't have to in this version. There was no reason not to check it out, so people did. Yeah, and that was anything, super exciting. It was one of the best-looking games of this generation so far. Right. It's, and, yeah, it's, it's very pretty. And no longer yeah. do you have to play with randos. Now you get to play with Japanese randos, because when you call in help... Like, <laughs> no, no, that was, that was all the other games, too. Trust me. <laughs> you, would have, you would have to wait until, like, fucking 11 o'clock at night to where they started waking up so you could play with them. We were talking about, like, in Far Cry, you're a god amongst men. That is those players. You call in for their help, and they come yeah. down, and they're, where the fuck did they get this armor from? Like, they are godlike right. in that game. Right. <laughs> and, and, again, you never had that ability in the other Monster Hunters. You were on a quest, and you were on it, and, like, people couldn't join at certain times. And that did happen with this one is, like, the story, you'd have to see certain cutscenes. Yeah, I was going to say, it wasn't perfect. But once you get got past that, it it functioned like a modern Monster Hunter should, and everybody liked it. I'm so I'm I'm I am blissfully happy about this. I'm actually in the same boat as George. This was my first like Monster Hunter game that I've actually given a full shot to, and I loved it so much. Um, I might as well a little mini plug here. I actually did an entire podcast dedicated to the game with Trav Foster, who who has kind of been a guest on our show in recent weeks. Um, we did nice. an entire kind of 
not really a spoiler cast, but it was just why we love Monster Hunter um, and as an RPG because that was one of the biggest surprises to me is just how how much progression in RPG systems are kind of interwoven with that game. That I mean, I feel like I played it a ton and I beat most of the big monsters, but I. I don't know. It still in many ways feels like I've only really scratched the surface because there's so many like elite weapons that I have yet to go out and craft. Well, and every weapon in Monster Hunter World feels completely unique. Like you could go into this game months from now, pick up a hunting horn for the first time, and you're going to have a very different experience in every encounter. If anything, that's my shame is I just got really good at the charge blade and never felt the need to switch and play around with other weapons because I'm like, well, no, I'm... This weapon fucking rules. And yeah, so again, only scratch the surface because like I have I've spent I think I looked, it's over a hundred hours just as that playing using that one weapon, it's like I could go back and do this with what, fourteen more weapon types or something yeah. like that? And I think it's a testament to how solid the design of each of those weapons feels. Like the actual act of swinging a hammer and like landing a shot right on the head, it feels so good. And everyone has that for their own weapon that they bring to the table. Yep. Yep. Oh, he's down. Shit, I knocked him out. This KO. KO skills happening. So good. Yeah, so really good. Solid. Never have I played a game that made you prep for a fight so much. So, like, The Witcher 3 had a little bit of this where, depending on if you're going out and actually doing what a Witcher does, like monster hunting, you would have to, you know, maybe uh, craft certain potions and things like that to get ready for the fight or, or use a particular sword or, or put some in, you know, like an oil on your sword. But this game is all about, like, okay, who am I fighting? I need to fight him enough so that I've researched this monster so I yep. know about him so that I can figure out what armor should I equip with resistances, what weapon do I need to equip. And you, the way you do that, the only way to do that is to fight them or to basically find their shit scattered throughout worlds yeah. and like keep finding yeah. it to, to learn about them. You also have to as, eat a massive a, meal. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Cooked yeah. by felines. Uh, and just as a, as a big fan of the series, you just... I sort of got to accept certain things as realities, like the the crafting. And I admired the idea that, like, you could go out into the field completely naked and you have enough to survive on almost any map. Uh, But the auto-crafting and, like, the idea that you can research a monster and then look up what it's weak... It wasn't new. They made everything less difficult and less obtuse for such a, a really big game with a lot of information in it. Um, it well, it's, it's not perfect. Cause remember Chris, we were talking and I was like, man, I fucking, I hate it though. I have to go back to town to like swap out my gear. And you're like, dude, that's what the tents for at the camp. Like there is still yeah, some things that mm. like, if you miss one tutorial, like line, you will just kind of be lost. Right. But it tries to inform you. Look at all the people. The stuff. Incredible. Right. We've got it all here. We've got hunters to do all the exploring, scholars to do the research, technicians to keep them going. This place is the beating heart of the commission. See, and and that way you know to go there when you need scholars to research things for you (laughs) or technicians. I actually haven't played this game much. It's very because the the things that you're describing, uh, like oh, you need to juggle these stats and uh, this this armor is the best for hunting this kind of monster. I'm just like 
just give me the best armor. I'm just going <laughs> to go and wail on things. Why Why is this so difficult? Yeah, but, but that's the can, beauty of the game. But there you can no play it like best. that. Yeah, there is no... It's it's a bit yeah. like Dark Souls. Like, you ask someone in, oh, who's like a Dark Souls Oh, it wasn't expert. me. Somebody else did it. No, no. I'm, I'm not saying that this... Okay. It should just have a little ding every time someone says So you that. ask someone, hey, what's the best weapon in Dark Souls? They're going to say, well, it depends on what you're fighting, right? It depends on the situation. It depends on how you like to play. And that's very much Monster Hunter. It's like, yeah, there is no best armor. There is no best weapon it's like well what's the situation like and you can get really good yeah yeah who's in your party you can get really good at one weapon type but even then there's like 50 different like type within that weapon type it's like oh here's the one that has the fire buff oh here's the one that has the ice buff like you you need to Mm -hmm. basically get them all yeah but you can avoid that too and just sort of like grind the shit of yourself until like everything's maxed out and that's sort of how i play i don't I don't know. I'm just I'm pretty good at the game at this point. So like mm-hmm. I don't. And the, the, my only disappointment in the game is that I've played so thoroughly the last three like Monster Hunter special editions for American players who speak English. That like this game wasn't like man. I put a hundred hours and I'm not even done yet. Like I finished it surprisingly fast because it's for the first time the Americans got the launch version, not the special edition version that the Japanese got. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's not. It's neither here nor there. But like, uh, that was my only disappointment in the game. That like, I can't believe how efficiently I took everything yeah. <laughs> out because yeah. I'm pretty good at this now. Yeah. The other and, thing and I, I, lo- I love the Dark Souls comparison, but let's remember this existed ten years longer before Dark Souls. Oh, for sure. Well, by the way, the other thing I want to point out that like, don't feel like if you missed playing it when it first came out that there's nothing to do. Like. They're supporting this game with a, like a lot of like live right. events and other things, so that you can hop back in there and there's still a ton of people playing yeah. it and a ton of I like swear, there's like, reasons to go back. I think I, it's also more single player friendly than a lot of other entries in this franchise. Totally. Yeah. I, I I used to work at this company and there are certain things they added to the game. I was positive they would never ever do because they may have said they wouldn't, and they did. And and the funniest thing, one of the coolest things is that like. I remember writing that, like, armor can be anything. Why does it have to be, like, actual armor? Why can't you just look like a Mega Man? Like, one of the first things they did is, like, it Ryu. It's just the armor. It's the character. It's who cares? Your helmet is a is a moving face. Well, and it's and it's Ryu. The the fashion souls in this Monster Hunter World game are like, you can't see, but I'm kissing my fingertips. They're just fantastic. I'm Italian. I just sort of imagined that when you did. Yeah, good, good, good. Well, and also, I mean, playing with friends, I think, is a better experience generally. And there's a lot of little, like, uh, weapon combinations or even just the weird tavern that you can go to where you can, like, arm wrestle your friends and stuff. Like, there (laughs) are a lot of... so dumb. I think if you can rally the troops, this is some of the most fun you'll have this year with three of the friends. Yeah, and just that the game is sort of reliant on other people, and it never has been great at utilizing the internet to allow that to happen. And I know for a fact you can download it right now, and you just have, like, like, so many people, like, random people you can depend on to help you. When you boil it down, it's really all about one thing. Loads of powerful monsters have holed themselves up in here. We need to track them one by one. And maybe we might just find a pattern. Right. Of course I'm right. Now get ready. Yeah, that that's pretty much sums up the entire game right He's there. That one acting. line. Yeah. Yeah, and dude, this is like the first game Track with voice. them down, find a pattern. We have to fight Nair like Hagante for the tenth time. 
this is the first game with voice acting as well. Is it really? And, wow. Yeah, yeah, with like full. Well, not there's not full voice acting, but like they kind of left that out because there's so many text boxes and so many things to say. Um, I, I don't totally know, it's one of those things tell. I didn't totally love about it, as well as the like fucking. If you can actually remember the uncharted ass opening that like never really returns. Oh uh, yeah, from the game, the one that hints that you're going to be just grappling off of pterodactyls the whole time. Yeah, the one that should come with like a warning sign: please don't return to GameStop, uh, Western <laughs> players. Like this, here yeah, the, you'll get to opening, do this for an hour. The opening I remember is is very much like a Peter Jackson's King Kong opening, where it's like you're getting chased by one giant creature that immediately gets like swallowed by another giant creature. And you're like, oh shit, they're not fucking yeah. around with this game. <laughs> well, and eventually that massive creature that was chasing you becomes like just the easiest. Almost, you almost feel <laughs> yeah. bad. Like at some point, you it's so easy to kill these majestic beasts that it's it's almost <laughs> depressing. You yeah. feel bad. You feel bad after a while. But I love games like that where like you have this thing. You get killed, and like, how the fuck am I ever going to do this? Exactly. And like, two hours later, you're slicing through it like hot butter. Exactly. And it, it does. Well, Chris, well, you, you mentioned you're like your bones. Well, you're like, yeah. hey, I grinded it out. I should point <laughs> out there are bread. there's or no my levels. Uh, well, there there's hunter level, but that doesn't affect your stats. There's no like stats in this game. It really is just you get good enough to learn the tells of the monsters, and you yeah. get and you better. get the good gear. Yeah, and you get the good gear, but you actually like when you level up and grind out. Your get it's your skill that's doing most of the work. It really is a true test of skill and you learning the fights. Or and then George, we were talking about the poor uh, Jagras, right? The Jagoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to kill these majestic Jagoffs <laughs> <laughs> and then wear their flesh. It's so sad. Do you think that they're like although, intimidated? It's a great title for this podcast. Mm-hmm. Although Jagoff. I did notice, like when you go to hunt the the Puke Puke early yeah, on, Puke Puke. like some of the. There, there were some of the Jagrasses that were, like, following me around and helping me, and I don't really understand Oh, why. man, when there's, like, a clash between two oh, beasts, God. so good. Well, you, well yeah, except for sometimes I get panicked. I'm like, wait, if they kill them, do I get credit? You do. Yes. Yeah, you do. And you can harvest yeah. their mats. Like, even if it's a yeah. monster that's way higher level than you, if they drop some of their, you know, scales or whatever, you could pick it up. Oh, right. that's cool yeah, that you guys let him kill. I mean, I was just powerful enough. I just killed both, but that's fine. Harvest their that, that, small bones. Yeah. And and that's one of those things that could happen in the old game, but was very, very rare. This, like, a three-way monster battle was not uncommon. Well, in the old and game, because didn't they, seg- they, they segmented off the maps? And so there would be, like, loading between zones yes. and stuff. Whereas everything here, you go to a map and it's all open world. And, yeah, there, chances are you're going to run into multiple monsters while you're out there on that hunt. Yeah, it was a much harder to like. I would say lead a monster into meeting another monster, whereas this like just has to happen naturally out of like technical necessity. Well, it's because yeah. monsters can't swipe right. Is, is all that is? <laughs> is that is that how that works? I'm sorry, young young hello fellow kids. Which way do you swipe if you like the person? <laughs> Up. I don't, I don't know. I haven't completed my Bumble profile. <laughs> oh no! Well, you guys you guys clearly love this, but uh, just. I think there's there's one game that I played this year that I could not put down until I had done literally everything. I, I was so passionate about it uh, that Matt, you and I recorded a spoiler cast about it. It is, of course, our... Number one. That's what you get! Boy. Boy, look at me. Look at me, boy. Boy, 
Look at me. We did it. You are not ready. Oh, oh Pops Kratos, why are you so mean? Oh, it gives me the chills. I love it. All I can think of is the <laughs> intro song I used to our spoiler cast, Michael, where it's just the boy techno. Boy. 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 <laughs> boy. Whatever, Dad. Like, like the, boy. Like the dude scene in bas- basketball. <laughs> boy. The system boy. is down. It's kind of like the, the Homestar. Uh, yeah, they yeah, should yeah. definitely the make a remake. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, but I, I think I would, like, you can speak to this with more authority, Michael. I had zero interest in the God of War franchise Oof. ever happening again. And the titling of it led me to believe it was some kind of reboot rather than, like, an extension of a pre-existing universe where it pretty much threw away most of what God of War was. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a sense, it is it is a reboot. Uh in that it's it's a new uh, milieu for Kratos to be in. It still has all the history of the earlier games, but like we're we're just sort of starting over fresh. Same character, new world, new pantheon, uh, new to kill. new outlook. Like yeah, Kratos, Kratos in the old games was just sort of like uh, a bear. He was like Jason Voorhees, where he he killed like ninety nine percent of the people he came across. Yeah. The rest he had sex with. Um, but uh, <laughs> this is this is very different in that he's you know he's clearly a uh, gruff dad who's trying to do his best but is at his heart in, in his heart an asshole and that's yeah. that's difficult to overcome I when, I want to push back a little bit on like not calling it or calling it a reboot in a way because like even this clip that you played uh, can I mm-hmm. spoil God of War 3 sure Please. it's an old so, <laughs> so at the yeah at the end of God of War when you like finally kill Zeus uh and by the way, I should say I'm a huge God of War fan. Like I will apologize. I think that that game is more emotionally mature than a lot of people give it credit for. Sex and naked ladies and ripping random civilians in half, mm. all of that considered. But at the end of the God of War, like you, you're literally blinded by hatred. And in the sound clip you played, when Atreus takes down one of the enemies, he starts freaking out and he's like slashing into him and it gets blood all over his face. Face, and it's a really clear callback to me. Of that previous mm. game, and I think, well, yeah. mechanically and thematically, it's it is a big departure from the past games. It is very much a sequel, and yeah. it really reckons with a lot of those ideas and themes that were in the first game in a way that I think you're you are much better off playing the new God of War if you're familiar with the old ones. Oh, well, that's true. You're right, George. There are, and there are a lot of callbacks that I guess at the time, yeah, I didn't I didn't think of it that way, but. A lot of them were meant to show that Kratos has progressed as a character. And if anything, that was one of the biggest criticisms of God of War 1 through 3 is a lot of people said, hey, there's there's no character progression here. This guy's just always angry. Uh, and, and you might disagree mm-hmm. with that, George, because, yeah, there's there's there are some layers well, there. He's he's angry. I used to joke he's angry because he's sad. But the, <laughs> the reality is that, like, you know, this is actually a very tortured character yes. who I think if you really scratch the surface, like he's. It's not just that he's homicidal, he's suicidal. He yes. wants to take on something that will kill him and nothing can kill him. Preach. Preach. Yeah. But mm-hmm. but also like there are moments in this game where like such as the interactions with his son where my least favorite part of the game is when his son basically goes into dick mode. Like he becomes <laughs> a dick like the dick middle yeah. of the game and you're just like fucking yeah. fuck this kid, right? Because he realized that's when he finds out he's a god, and he's like, "Well, we can do anything the fuck we want because we're gods, yeah. right?" And Kratos, we can be well, dicks. We can we can if, even tell off these beloved characters. Can you can you put it down over there? That handle is no filthy. 
Okay, then. I'll just... I will just... Oh. Oh. Oh, is that dried blood? Oh. I just wanted to take that opportunity to uh, introduce Sindri, oh, who I think... I think that uh, what you were describing, that, that bit where he becomes a complete dick, uh, I, I think that, that sort of culminates when he just, like, gets in Sindri's face and tells him off. Mild spoilers. Um, because Sindri, the uh, the germphobic dwarf smith, and his brother Brock are kind of like the beating heart of this game. Yeah. You know, they're side characters, but at the same time, like, they're they're also sort of the emotional core of God of War. Yeah. Or one of them. One of several, I guess. The germphobic dwarf sounds like one of the Howard Stern like crew. Just, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's Show a, me your boobies, germaphobic dwarf. Show me your boobies. In a in a game where you can count the cast of characters on one hand, uh mm-hmm. those two have to carry a lot of weight in God of War. And I, I totally agree. I think the performances yeah. are great for both Sindri and Brock. I mean, yeah, and also considering that another two of the the most endearing characters in this game are a severed head and a gigantic snake. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he thinks it might still be in his stomach. Um, and he's open to letting you go into his mouth to look inside. Ew. Really? By the by... He's not wild about it either. Ah, <laughs> uh, Mimir. Yes. If you want to hear some theories on who that snake could possibly be, you're going to have to go to patreon.com slash laser time and subscribe and get access to our bonus uh, cast or our spoiler cast because we do discuss that in some detail, don't yeah. we? Yeah. Interesting. Good plug. Is, yeah, that a was a fun one to record. We just basically rip into everything. So don't go in if there's anything in the game that you are... Uh, not ready to be spoiled on. I, I wanted to join you on that. <laughs> Just a, <laughs> a small side story. The only reason I have PSVR is, one, because I uh, noticed I had boxes filled with over 100 360 games, and half of the light on my TV went out while I was playing this. Um, so I could still play it, but I'm in an environment where I can't see uh, over a third of the screen. So it's like I'm gonna trade all this shit and get PSVR until my warranty kicks in. <laughs> so you still, play oh my god, on a VR headset? I'm not. Oh dude, I'm not kidding. I couldn't see. You played God, God of War, of War on a VR headset for a little bit. I stopped, but like, it's not. It's it's still the TV's still usable. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't have made the purchase of PSVR unless I was out. I don't have a working yeah. gaming television at this point. Desperate times. That's funny. So. So real talk, when I first got VR, one of the things I was looking forward to the most is like, I'm going to be able to play games on like a gigantic virtual screen. It's going to be like it's taking up a whole wall in front of me. And then I got the chance to play that. It's like, this is the worst possible way to play a game. (laughs) It's like the the resolution is not great. The frame rate is not great. And it just feels like you're putting your face up against a big TV. I've heard people talk about like, that's how kids are going to watch movies eventually in this VR. I'm like. Yeah, not in not yet. Not in 600p uh, for like that defaults to being yeah. 20 feet away. No, right now I'm it not going like, to be doing. It that. feels like you're watching TV through binoculars. When you I, I feel really <laughs> bad for you because the the frame rate of God of War, like when you, especially on a PS4 Pro where you can lock it at uh, 60 frames per second, it's just buttery smooth. Mm. No, no, it, it looks great. It's the best looking exclusive Easy. I've ever yeah. seen for that system. And I'm only saying saying that I, I just want to put that out there again. I am not a God of War fan and didn't think I would be ever for any reason 
and this game changed me on that. And I, I like comparing it to Gears Dark of War Souls? 4, oh, okay. which... No, no, Gears of War 4, <laughs> which is this I, other... I was going to say, for, for the uh, third and now fourth Dark Souls reference in this show, uh, our friend Brett Elston uh, compared it. He, he said, it's the Resident Evil 4 of Dark Souls. That checks out. Yeah, that's sure. what this is. So, folks, so what we're <laughs> saying just, is the just... Dark Souls remaster really is our game of the year so far. <laughs> In, in terms of like, remember playing Gears of War four, which was just like, here's a prettier version of everything you've done already with no mechanics really changed, and that's what I expected from another God of War game, right? Like this, this something that like, ooh, this doesn't, this is mechanically sound and fine, but doesn't resonate like it did ten years ago. Whereas I didn't know they were going to reinvent the entire thing, like the, the entire premise of God of War. Yeah. Almost entirely. I don't even know how you follow up on this game. I haven't finished it, but, like... And it's also, like, in a year where, like, you know, you have a lot of... I would say a lot of chicken little horseshit, but some justifiable concern over the single-player game going away. You got a really unique, highly polished, triple-A exclusive, uh, like, single-player game. It's really exciting. Yeah, and it, and it sold really well, too, and... I think what people forget, it's only on one platform and it's still the month that came out. It was just like it, it was one of the top selling games and it had to do that with basically, a, you know, a, yeah. a fraction of the total machines available to mm. people and systems. But, yeah, it's um, it definitely I, I love the fact that it, it took it into the new setting, took it into the new Pantheon, which, to be honest, like this, the the Norse Pantheon is it has a lot of similarities to to the Greek pantheon, and it, it is sort of the perfect pantheon that you want a Kratos running around and fucking going buck wild in and going you know up against those characters. Uh, Michael and I discussed it. The I think one of my bigger disappointments of the game is that we didn't get to see more of that pantheon yet, at least. Yeah, yeah we've only seen like a few straggling members i guess and uh one of the things that we did talk about in the spoiler cast that isn't a spoiler here is that like sort of like in the original god of war games there are a lot of departures from like if you're if you're a big fan of this mythology you'll notice a lot of differences in the characters and but the conceit behind that is like okay the mythology that you've heard is propaganda basically written by the right. gods themselves and their fans uh, this is what what the real deal is. This is what these characters are really like. So, yeah, Balder he's not a he's not a beautiful man. He's a, a swaggering drunk that looks like he should be getting kicked out of an Irish pub. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. He's kind of a hipster drunk. I mean, he's got like mm-hmm. that, that hipster haircut. And in a weird way, they kind of justify not showing a ton of their pantheon because a lot of this game, Kratos is trying not to get involved with the gods. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's over yeah. it. He's like, nope, we don't want anything to do with them. Stay away. Yeah, he's like, I'm good, man. Mm-hmm. That brings trouble. Yeah. And I've, I've also heard it compared to like a uh, retired gangster thing where it's mm, like, oh, yeah. you did something really bad and now you're in hiding with your kid and you want to protect your kid from your past. So, yeah, for sure. It's, it's an interesting way to look at it. And even in terms of the in terms of the mechanics, like they're. The departure from having the Blades of Chaos, which are these really, like, you know, crazy sweeping attacks, uh, and Mm. then moving with the axe, which has this, like, impact when you're actually fighting, um, it feels like, it feels like there's, like, a dotted line between the two series in the much of the same way that thematically or even uh, for Pantheon-wise, there's, like, a sort of dotted line, uh, but it it still Mm. sort of still stands out on its own uh, in a very real way. 
Yeah, and if I could give the single best moment of the year to any game moment, it is every fucking time you summon your Leviathan axe in God of War (laughs) is the single best moment of the the year. It comes crash, and sometimes you will. I would intentionally like walk like really far away from where I knew it was just to hear like the little ding 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 sounds of it bouncing off stones and things on its Mm -hmm. way back to me. That felt so good. Also, I know it's that it's like that awesome scene in the original Avengers where Thor summons his hammer while on the um, helicarrier. Yeah, I don't know if, I if any of you have fought the Valkyries in God of War yet. I, yes. I beat them all. Yeah, yeah. I, it, I mean, those game. fights. I mean, if you really want to get a good sense of how strong the mechanics are in God of War, uh, play those fights because they're so demanding, and you really yeah. have to take them on with this just extreme level of intentionality, responding mm-hmm. and dodging and reading the opponent in a way that is almost like almost like a fighting game in a weird way. Uh, would you say it's yeah. almost like Dark Souls? It is. I mean, it is like very much so. <laughs> I, I kind of would in that like with a lot of them, it's like they seem almost impossibly tough. And then the more you do it, you start to spot patterns. Yes. And once you find those patterns, it's like, now I gotcha. I found your weakness. Now this is almost Yeah, easy. and now yeah. you just I, have to execute. And that itself is like mm-hmm. a demanding process. But those fights are just really the pinnacle of what God of War can be. Well, I, I complain a bit on the spoiler cast about the boss battles in the in the game. And truly, I think the Valkyries are meant to be the, the real boss battles of the game. Because like you said... Yeah, George, they're like the, the end game Yeah, they are. Challenge. And they have the best mechanics. And, and yeah, to really show off the game's combat. Um, I will also say, is it Muspelheim, the, the lava level? Yeah. That's yeah. the one that if you want, if you want to learn how they intend you to use the combat in the game, that's a great place to do so because they set up challenges that make you play in in slightly different ways and you can only get through some of the challenges by doing things like you know ring outs basically like knocking dudes off ledges and stuff and so that's where that's where to me the combat system really blossomed and i was like oh my god there's so much more depth here than i've just been using yeah and and Mm -hmm. the rest of the game became very enjoyable after that and it is it is interesting that like the earlier God of War games really tried hard to set a high watermark for gore and violence and this one meanwhile like there's only one point in the game where you encounter human enemies and while it is extremely violent it's not very gory like you can rip like dried up husks of zombies in half but that's not really quite the same as like oh there's blood spraying everywhere yeah I, I think I was I was actually a little shocked by how not shocked I was playing the game mm. yeah. I mean, I think like, it wants you to, on. It, I think it wants you to be a little bit turned off by that particular scenes of violence, right? Like it, even Atreus, like the first moment Atreus actually kills something, is a, a pretty profound movement moment, and it's mm-hmm. it it stands in very stark contrast to the rest of the God of War series because we are now interacting with this character who realizes how gross he's been. Yeah, it does seem yeah. it seems odd to praise a God of War game for its restraint, but that's one of the yeah, yeah one of the best things about this game is it, it does yeah. have restraint and knows when to when to push and go into that true like oh my rage mode kicking in, you know, and when not to. Or the Spartan mode I should say. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's not only that Kratos feels gross, it's that uh there are some almost awkward moments created by how gross he feels and if you've played the earlier god of war games you can feel gross alongside with him like for instance i still can't believe a son would kill his own father that's crazy right <laughs> awkward yeah, yeah, as we all know yeah. zeus was his dad and he killed him yeah boy that that totally sucks boy that guy's a real yeah, yeah who would uh, do oh, such no, a yeah. thing <laughs> should never do that and and this boy. might be uh 
you know, it's it's at the one hand a callback. It's uh, commenting on something you, that you just saw, and it might also be foreshadowing for a sequel. Who mm-hmm. knows? One thing I want to add before we stop talking about God of War, because it deserves to be mentioned, the score by Bear McCreary is fantastic and easily one of the best scores of the year so far. Bear McCreary sounds like a Far Cry 5 character. He did the, uh, he did the, that's very true. He did the score to uh, Battlestar Galactica. I think a lot of people know him, but he's done a lot of movies uh, yeah. as well. I could have sworn he had a reality and, uh, show Dark Boy stuck in the woods. <laughs> stuck in the woods Surviving. with Bear McCreary. Surviving with Bear McCreary. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, that's that's been our top five. And uh, God of War, obviously, a really incredibly strong game, platform exclusive. So I think one of the best reasons to own a PS4 now, although there are many. But we're going to take a little break. And uh, when we come back, we'll talk about some other games that didn't make the cut, as well as uh, what was the question of the week? <laughs> uh, the question of the week last week was, what was your e3 game of show so when we get back we'll talk about that stay tuned Is the world of today getting you down? Well, then why not check in on some of the good stuff that happened this week in movies, TV, games, and more 30, 20, and 10 years ago this very week with our show 302010. Here's a clip from 2008. This is crazy. Last segment, 10 years ago, Windows 98 releases. This year, June 27th, Bill Gates steps down as chairman of Microsoft to focus full-time on the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Bill Gates hasn't worked at Microsoft in a decade. That's crazy. I figure, I mean, once you get past $2 billion, it's a full-time job just to give it away. Yeah, after that, you have a mental illness if you work. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I was thinking about this the other day because we had uh, a car show near here where, like, the featured car was a McLaren that cost a million dollars. And this guy just has a car that cost a million (laughs) dollars. And I just thought about what I would do with a million dollars that's not buying a car. Two men at the same Uh, time? uh, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. And then after that, (laughs) like... Jump into the past with 302010 every Thursday on LazerTimePodcast.com or iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. How's everybody doing? You ready to talk about some other games Woo! and stuff? Let's do it. Goaty. Yay. Yeah, I, one game that I noticed that you voted for, George, and I'm, I'm curious to know how many of you guys have played this, Bloodstained Curse of the Moon. Yes. No. I, I haven't. That's I've been meaning to play that because I have not it, played it sadly. One of the most enticing things to me is it's very inexpensive, right? It's only like $10 on the Switch, I want to say. Yeah. Bloodstained is an interesting... This is like a weird game because this is actually... This was born out of the Bloodstained Kickstarter. And right. it was yeah. like a, a Kickstarter... What do they call them? Like extension? Extended reward yeah. or... Yeah. Like a, like a Kickstarter yeah. goal. They, they've raised like, what, five and a half million dollars to make a Castlevania game. This is produced mm-hmm. by Koji Igarashi... 
uh, who was in the Castlevania right. series. Uh, and so they made this game first, which is playable now. You could download it. I played it on the Switch, which is the perfect, absolutely perfect console to play old oh, yeah. retro style games. And 100% down to every little piece, like this is a Castlevania game. Plain and simple. If you've played yeah. a Castlevania game, you are very familiar with Bloodstained, but it's new and it's awesome and it's rock solid. What I wanted to I ask mean, you is, how does it hold up with like the 3DS, 2D Castlevania games? Because to me, I'm t- I'm sorry, not even 3DS. Those are like DS. I mean, it's it's very different. It th- those are. I mean, it's not like a Metroidvania. It's uh, it's more like Castlevania Three. Yes. It's a very linear game, although there are like paths like. There's skeletons that are pointing the way, and it's like, okay, that's usually the easy path if you have the ability to get to it. Uh, otherwise, there's, like, uh, roundabout ways to get where you're exactly. going. Exactly. So as you play through the game, you unlock the ability to play as and switch between four different characters. And as, Michael, you talked about, you can navigate different parts of the level as you as you can navigate with those particular characters using their unique abilities. So there's a character that's basically like a female Simon Belmont. She's got like a whip. She can slide under stuff. There's a... I think she's the protagonist of the main Bloodstained. Oh, is that true? Interesting. Yeah, I think so. Um, And then there's like an old wizard who kind of sucks, except for he's got really cool magic powers. And there's like a vampire that can turn into a bat and that kind of thing. So yeah, you yeah. you it, there is some maneuverability, but it's not. It's really not the Metroidvania. Like you're never retreading old ground unless you want to just to sort of be a completionist. But it it is fun and well made, and it's it's one of many great games that have come out this year. Uh, we didn't talk about, for example, Dragon Ball Fighters. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, yeah. Which is it's it's really like I I ended up not touching that for months and then playing a bunch of it over the weekend and it's like uh yeah this is a really addictive story mode it kind of feels like the the naruto games that way and that's like yeah this is a like really really beautifully done cutscenes, yeah and then kind of really accessible uh fun and i'm I'm gonna say shallow i'm probably gonna get lambasted because i'm sure there's layers of depth that i'm not seeing yeah but uh, it, it's it's a very button mashy fighter that's a lot of fun. It's been well, there are, but it's like it's incredibly accessible. And to its credit, we're mm-hmm. um, next week's laser time. We're going to talk to uh, my buddy who owns an arcade. Nice. They put that game in a candy cab. Oh, nice! And watching the children line up behind this, who have no idea what DBZ is reminded me of what it was like to discover a game in the arcades. I don't yeah. believe that there are children in this world who don't know what DBZ. is. I don't is. believe that there are I mean, still arcades. Talk, like I went. Uh, I went there with a with a five year old and an eight year old, and they didn't they didn't, they didn't know what DBZ was, and like this game has an immediate pull and was accessible enough for them to get in there and like I, I want to keep playing this for a really long time. And it's, so I think, which by the way, Street Fighter Five didn't do for yeah. them. Yeah, you know? true. Hmm. And this has been well received by the fighting game community as well, right? Like people are into this, right? Yeah, my my fighting game friends are like. I gotta check out DBZ Kai. I, I mean, me and my, my friends I grew up playing fighting games with. We watched the original story and sort of like, yeah, we're too old to go back to that. And it was like, no, now it's time. Yeah. Look, I'll save you time. Just get three of your friends in a room together and have them scream for hours and hours. <laughs> and it's like the same as watching DBZ. Yeah, you have to charge up your key. No, what I was gonna say though is, I think with the accessibility thing, Michael, like what I liked about it is I. I love fighting games that have depth, and if you take the time, there is a lot of, of kind of layers there to uncover. But also I like the ones that anyone can hop in and start button mashing and feel badass and feel cool. And this game, I think, out of more than any other fighting game, other than maybe the DOA series, it might be alongside them, like you can button mash and you can feel like, 
fuck yeah, I am awesome and powerful and doing really well. But still, it just looks it's it's visually overwhelming. Yeah. It, it's a bit You'll like get a jaw dropping visual reward just for messing around. Just for messing around, and and you will feel like yeah, I'm good. Even if you went up against someone from the FGC, yeah, you would not be good. Um, I I've been joking the past few weeks, so I, I you know I have my strict no anime rule or whatever. That's that's a joke, obviously. Like I'm just I'm. I'm selectively into certain anime, and I definitely did miss the Dragon Ball Z thing. I was just like a little, I think I was a little too old when it started airing. Was it on, God, what, it was, it was on Toonami, wasn't it? Like that was the big thing. Well, yeah, yeah. After some syndicated markets, it was Toonami. So I, I, I don't, I'm not familiar with the characters. Um, and, but one of the things I will say is I'm, I'm just, you know, I know who Goku is and this kind of thing. This game to me is like the ultimate fan. I can just tell it's the ultimate fan service game. Like even not knowing the characters so well and not knowing the stories and stuff. Like when I played it, I was like, oh man, if I was a Dragon Ball fan, this would be like the ultimate fighting game for me. Yeah. And I, I really do love the uh, the story mode. Like it's, there are three separate arcs that you play through and they're all like uh, just revisions of the same timeline. So first, like you play as the heroes and oh no, the the bad guys resurrected these other bad guys and we have to fight them and then we'll kill the, the main bad guy. And, and then the next story arc is like, instead of playing as Goku, you're playing as Frieza. So it's like the same events, but like now that you're in control of this other character, you can change things and you end up like allying with hero characters. And it's, it's really neat. I just can't get over the fact that the bad guys are all named after food. It's like, once you yep. realize that, that true? it loses a lot. Of, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, uh, is it uh, Kappa? Is, or is it Nappa? Is it, there's like one guy named after yeah. a cabbage. Uh, Nappa. Um, Vegeta is Vegeta's just vegetable. Nice. vegetable. Uh, Kakarot is Goku's yeah. real name. Uh, Bardock uh, is is some sort of vegetable, I think. Yeah. Brawly is named after broccoli. Yeah, they're yeah. all food It goes names. on and on. True, yeah. Yeah. true weeb shit. Uh Uh, we'll get into more weep shit in a minute Uh, first I wanted to address last week's question of the week uh, which of course was what's your personal game of show from E3 2018 Um, gosh that's tough for me Uh, I'm just going to say well the the only one that I actually waited in line to play was uh, Spider-Man uh, like you, Matt. Yeah, but uh, I didn't wait. I, I did get cuts from a friend. Yeah. Yes, that's the only one I made sure ah, to yes. play. I don't know. I, I did have most of what I played was Ubisoft stuff. I had a lot of fun with Starlink and Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Obviously, mm. obviously, I'm going to say that I'm a huge yeah, AC. Yeah, fan. yeah, yeah. But uh, George, did you have one? Uh, yeah, I want to say Sekiro: Shadows Die Twice because Dark Souls. But the correct answer is Smash Brothers. I think a lot of people's correct answer was Smash mm-hmm. Brothers. Uh, for example, Laser Time Rules said uh, Resident Evil Two Remake and Smash. Hanna Barbarian said Smash <laughs> is the game I'm most excited for, but I was excited for that well before E3. The game that stole the show was Cyberpunk 2077. Before E3, I had no interest in it. Now it's one of my most anticipated upcoming games. Ricardo Perry says, Mine is definitely Dying Light 2. The first game played amazing, but had a meh story. Apparently, Techland agreed because they brought on Chris Avalone, or Avalone, uh, as the story lead, and some former Witcher 3 people as well. Yeah, I'm excited for that, for sure. Uh, Shamish Kavanaugh uh, says, AC Odyssey for me. I studied Greek and Roman civilization at university. Man. 
Smart listener, Seamus. So mm-hmm. while watching the trailer, I surprised myself by recognizing many characters, locations, and references. It's like the game will be set in oddly familiar territory for me. That's pretty cool. I ah. think that's a very smart degree to get, uh, Seamus, especially if you want to work on exclusively Assassin's Creed. <laughs> well, it's too late now. We can't go back to Greece. I don't know. I feel like if you want to study empires that have collapsed, uh, now might be a good time to do that. Oof. <laughs> oh. Uh, Eric Sonicolb uh, says, uh, mine would be Resident Evil 2 Remake. Uh, it looks how the original made me feel uh, back when I was a kid. Can't wait to play it alone in the dark. Was that a reference to a better game? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> or a worse game. I, I didn't see second one of the RE2 Remake because like, I have more affection for one than two for some reason. I don't know. I just only played hmm. two once. Two was always um, my favorite. Yeah, so two's, I was, two's I was really awesome. disappointed when I... I got home from E3 and I found out it had been playable. It's like, oh, God damn it. I have friends at Capcom. They probably could have gotten me <laughs> cut in line. Two was the first Resident Evil game I ever played, actually. And then I went back to play mm. one uh, after they remade it. I, def- I didn't go all the way back to play the original because I kind of knew better. Yeah, it does that. not I'd, age I'd well. heard things. No, no. Uh, Stephen Bonadies or Bonadies says, Demon Ex Machina. I was pleasantly surprised by it. And seeing a spiritual armored core successor makes me very happy. That's a FromSoft uh, franchise. So another Dark Souls yeah. connection. Yep. Oh. Mm. Matthew, like another Metal Wolf Chaos connection. Yeah, Thank you. Another 3D Game Heroes connection. You mean? <laughs> well, as as we pointed out last week, um, if you were into samurai or mechs, this was the E3 for you. Um, but I personally am into cyberpunk, so I'm excited that Matthew Lagrave says cyberpunk was my actual one. But since that's too obvious. Well, it is obvious because it's mine as well. I want to say Fire Emblem Three Houses. It's been too long since we've had a, a console-level Fire Emblem, and I like the changes this one showed. Characters seem to have many armies that they lead and attack with, and they showed the player attacking with multiple units at once. It also looked like it had actual boss fights, and they showed the hero roaming around the castle, which could be cool. I'm always up for more turn-based strategy, and this looks great. Agreed, Matthew. Well, I, for one, cannot wait for my brain to laterally explore in three houses. And if you get what that reference is, congratulations, you win a no prize. Write to Stan Lee at Marvel Studios for your no prize. Um, (laughs) I didn't get it. It's a soap dish reference. Anyway, the reason I derailed the earlier discussion about... uh, additional games that didn't make the cut for game of the year is because I wanted to make that the new question of the week. What is your personal Mm. game of the year so far? I mean, for me, it's pretty obviously God of war. I'd say that's inescapable, but I'm curious to know what you guys have to say, especially if it's one that we haven't talked about. So I'll go first. Um, I have two surprising entries uh, that, that are kind Mm. of, I'm having to figure out. So, Number one is Mario Tennis Aces. I hear um, great things about really? that. Really? I'm really excited so, to hear your thoughts. It is this... You, you Look, I, the reason I got the game is because my, my daughter's like into tennis right now. And I'm like, hey, Mario game, safe. She loves tennis. This will be great to play together. What I didn't know, uh, and then I heard later, this is like a fighting game dis- disguised as a tennis game. There is this mechanic where yeah. you can do these power shots that can potentially shatter someone's racket. And if you shatter their racket, you automatically Ooh. win the match. And so the game is really... Um, it's about uh, charging up your power meter so that you can take these power shots. And then there's kind of a risk-reward thing where you can go to try to block that power shot. And if you time it just right, you will block it with no damage to you whatsoever. 
or you can just step out of the way, let them get the easy point and say, fine, I'm just going to basically live to fight another day. Um, I will also say I'm playing through the campaign. This is surprisingly the hardest fucking game of the year so far. There are parts (laughs) in the story that I'm just like, I. Okay, I guess I have to go grind to get past this dude. Like, I'm not exaggerating. Uh, This is, dare I say it, the Dark Souls of Mario Tennis games. This is your (laughs) chance to teach your daughter to get good. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, you gotta get good. I'll say between this and Monster Hunter, they both do something where, like, you can spend, like, 20 to 40 to 60 minutes on a single enemy and then fuck up at the last minute and and lose and have to yeah. start over. I am not used to doing that. Yeah. What are you- uh, in, in Monster Hunter, it's with the missions that you can just fail a mission toward the end. With uh, Mario Tennis, it's a six-game uh, bout with Donkey Kong, which at the very end, he scores a lucky point in, in like a tiebreaker, yeah. and I lose. Or he'll shadow your racket, and yeah, you're just like, mm-hmm. yeah, that is disheartening. Um, my other entry... This is a series that I have been sort of hearing about for years and I never gave it a shot because I was mistaken what it was. So I played Yakuza 6, The Song of Life. And that's the mm. first Yakuza game I've ever tried. I mis- that's also really good. I mistakenly thought this was a GTA ripoff. And then I said, well, we already have one of these. We have Sleeping Dogs. Like I, if I want my, my Asian-themed GTA ripoff, I have this game. What I didn't know is the Yakuza, the Yakuza games are basically – what Shenmue should have been or, or should have evolved into. They And I love the original Shenmue. So to me, like roaming around neighborhoods in Japan and wasting tons of time at batting cages and playing darts and playing old Sega games, in addition to like this super compelling story and a pretty decent fighting system, I, I'm i like hooked. I fucking love this game. Mm. I, and it makes me want to go back and play since they're kind of start, well, they have zero, and then they're doing all the Kiwami games. Like, I hope they actually go through one, two, three, four, and basically get you know do HD remakes of everything. That would be nice. I mean, we we might be in a place where it's like, well, three, four, and five are on PS3. That's easy enough to play. Yeah. But, uh, well, see, I think I think the Kiwami games, or was it? They said one was just like made especially for the U.S. market. It might have been either zero or Kiwami. Mm. Uh, because like we're less inclined to go back and play older games. And I will say but- this series, it gave me – I have a new husbando, you guys. Because Kiryu – I fucking like, – Kiryu is – oh, he's amazing. Is this the he's weeb just shit? His earnest, he, just his earnestness. Like so I – you know, like any good person, I had to do my research. I had to do the online chat minigame where, you know, you're chatting online. Uh, yeah. yes. And he's just like super cheeseball like, oh, yes, this is very nice to me. And I'm just like, Kiryu, <laughs> fuck it, I love you, my man. Like you are so dorky, but then you're also yeah. super deadly and you are like this, you know, Yakuza boss not to be fucked with. But he – I love him. He runs an orphanage. He's a good guy. He's my new husband. Okay. There's some serious slash yep. fic around that dude. <laughs> you think? Oh, absolutely, oh, yeah, definitely. Well, like I've only played, I've only played some of six. I played through zero, and I've played a little bit of Kiwami. But the impression that I have of this and of uh, Kazuma Kiryu in particular is that this is a crime series about characters who will go criminals who will go out of their way to never actually commit a crime. Like they <laughs> they will run around and beat up dudes who are worse than they are, but they will never hurt an innocent person or steal something or kill someone. It's crazy. So like like how Nico Bellic was supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> things are actually different in Japan. In, until the yeah. until the voice actor like had that falling out with Rockstar, and then they just made him a complete dirtbag. They're like, ah, fuck that guy, mm-hmm. Nico. Who? What? 
You can't kill people here in Japan. It's forbidden. <laughs> <laughs> Nico, I want to go bowling. Come hang out with me. Nico, dispense justice <laughs> with your fists. <laughs> oh, man. It, yeah, I'm, I'm actually glad this game... Feel the burning heat of manliness. I'm glad this game doesn't have the dating system that GTA 4 did. Because that was like... Oh, that was the most annoying <sighs> part of that game. Hmm. Well, play Yakuza 0 where you have to manage a hostess bar and practice with all the hostesses, and it's actually like a dating minigame. Oh, man. What? <laughs> New goatee. No. Except you're not, you're not actually dating them. You're just their boss and trying to teach them how to talk to men. Once again, I offer myself as tribute to go do the research and put in the time necessary to be yeah, able to speak out. It's this. fun. And plus, it's a game. It's based in Japan in the 80s. Fucking where do I sign yes. up, please? Plus, I think it's it's going to be like 20 bucks now. It's, oh, it's yeah. It's a greatest hits, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, Chris. Oh, my game. I, I played so little because my stupid TV is broken. But I have a uh, giant hard on for the racing game that is supposed to take the arcadey racing game. It's going to win my heart over. Is it uh, the crew too? Because that's out this week. <laughs> is it out this week? Friday? Yeah. No, I had no no idea. Is it on Rush, um, the remake of Burnout Takedown, basically? Or a Wreckfest, which I think left early access this week. Uh, talked about Hori- Horizon Chase Turbo, which is really fun. But just a little shout out to Burnout Paradise. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, remastered. I thought that was really fucking fun. Lost myself in it. I don't want to argue it as like game of the year over anything we talked about because it's just an old game. But like, it did bring back, A, that old feeling, B, the need for more of something like that. I hope I, I hope I get that. Maybe the crew, too, is for me. I don't know. Hmm. Cool. Maybe. Well, I'll jump in the ring. I wanna, I wanna give a little nod to this uh, another indie game. This is called A Case of Distrust. Uh, this is a sort of noir interactive point and click piece of fiction. I don't know if this is a hugely popular genre anymore, but uh, <laughs> it, it checks all the boxes for what a noir story should be. It's super atmospheric. There's damsels in distress smoking cigarettes all the time, um, and you basically solve cases uh, it's a pretty short game, it's maybe like a few hours uh, and you solve cases largely by talking to people and getting their statements and collecting evidence and clicking on, you know, pointing and clicking on uh, little pieces of evidence you might find in a house uh, but what's great is when you are actually trying to sort of pursue uh, a potential suspect or you're doing a sort of hostile interview, you have access to this just huge collection of evidence and statements and so you really sort of have to piece it together um, I don't know if any of you guys are big board game fans, but I think actually a good comparison... On, George, would... you know me, dude. Well, so a, a good comparison would be uh, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, where yes. by, mm. by playing the game, you it actually makes you feel as though you are doing the job of solving these cases. Um, it's also set in San Francisco, so if you're in the Bay Area and you're into noir, this is just a no-brainer. It's, it's mm. super cool, super self-aware... A lot of nods to the genre fiction, and I can't praise it enough. But nothing like the old Sherlock Holmes consulting detective video games, which were, I think, FMV games. No, right? nothing yeah. like that, actually. The art, style, <laughs> okay. the art style is actually really cool. It's like a 2D, uh, like solid, monochromatic kind of environment. It's really nice. Yeah, when you when I saw that you had put this on the the sheet where we do our voting, uh, I was instantly curious about it and went and looked, and uh, I did 
get it. It's like 10 bucks on yep, Steam, so cheap. there's an incentive to go get it. Well, I think, Michael, at one point we had discussed should remasters or remakes make the list. <clears throat> and I guess because Chris mm. put it put out uh, Burnout Take, or I'm sorry, Burnout Paradise out there, I did want to give some special recognition to a game that we devoted an entire show, an episode to, um, The Shadow of the Colossus. It's a re- yes. It's a remake. Like, it is, it is, it's weird in that it is a complete remake that just recreates the original game in every way possible um it's not but it's not just an up version of that like that is that has always been a truly special game one of the yeah. i think the best games ever and um that release this year it is if you've never played the game this is the ultimate way to play it it looks beautiful yes, especially yes. in the ps4 pro Please oh go it looks play amazing game. can i can i say something about its status as a, as a remake if i sure. think i talked to you about it on bonus time matt i'm not sure how much i mentioned it uh, but I went to an animation festival here in Florida, and um, one of the guys I, I want to talk about, he worked on the 3D theatrical Looney Tunes, like converting the Looney Tunes to 3D very successfully, even though if you didn't see them in the theaters, they're kind of gone. Um, but he also, in addition to being an animator, like an animator is what you'd think, he worked on, he did work on Shadow of the Colossus wow. remaster. So like... A new, a digital animator did go like it's kind of a new. Game. I mean, it is a staggering mm. amount um, of work, for sure. Yeah, for a shadow of the Colossus. Yeah, and hopefully, I'll I'll be talking to him soon on an upcoming episode of Laser I, Time. This is one yeah. of the games that is, it's more than just genre defining. It's one of those like life defining experiences, and it is an ageless gem. So yeah, it's great. Uh, what a great way to put that, an ageless gem. It's so much fun, and if it was so easy to do, somebody else would have made it. It'd be, there'd be an early access. Shadow of the Colossus S game, and no one's ever tried. Ever tried. Thank God. Hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I, I absolutely love the Shadow of the Colossus remake. And uh, what was the other one? Oh, Nino Kuni 2 was way better than I expected it to be. Um, it felt like a throwback to classic JRPGs before they all got bogged down in front-loaded uh, cutscenes. Yeah. Did you finish so, it? Because the first Nino Kuni is like the best game I never finished, and I feel like Nino Kuni 2. I haven't might. finished it okay. yet. All right. But but the the pacing of it reminded me of like the old the Sui Koden games if you ever played yeah. that where it just kind of immediately throws you into a, a high tension situation and uh, there's action up front and then you kind of get to learn the world a little bit afterward. Cool. A lot of people it, were concerned that it was uh, with with kind of the lack of Ghibli this time around that it was going to lose some of that mm-hmm. charm. But did you feel that was the case at all? I think it's still pretty charming. I mean the the fact that they can take this uh, little Lord Fauntleroy style prince character who's, you know, very, not not really fussy, but, you know, very mannered and, and make him a charming character, somebody that you like and root for instead of like, oh, God, this fucking kid's in my party again. Uh, I, I think I think that they did a really good job with it. And like the, the fact that they start, you, you don't start off playing as him. You start off playing as uh, an apparent stand in for the president of the United States who gets suddenly warped to this world uh, through unexplained means when a city gets nuked, and, and is just like he's like a young Han Solo character. Like that, it's, it's so premise. weird what? and cool. Yeah, it's it's a fantastic. Premise. Are you sure you're not confusing this with Bayonetta? Like I'm here. I'm 100 percent sure. Or Metal Wolf Chaos, which I'm super looking forward to. Which also came out this year, by the way, and is fucking phenomenal. If you have a Switch and you're dying for two great games, Ooh, I do. Uh, yes. All right. Well, we should we should close this down. So. Please tell us what is your personal game of the year go or so far. 
Obviously, this isn't definitive for 2018 yet, but uh, go to videogameapocalypse.com, answer under the post, I guess, for episode 270 in the comments, or you can hit us up on Facebook in the Laser Time, the official Laser Time community. There'll be a thread there. Or uh, you can hit us up on Twitter, uh, tweet at VG Apocalypse with your answer, and uh, we'll pick some of the best ones and read them next week. So let's go out with some plugs. George, you're the guest. Where can people hear your stuff? Oh, goodness. Uh, you could just Google the Experience Points podcast. Find it wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. Uh, we've got like 465 episodes, so there's a lot of old things you can listen to, uh, including a God of War review. So, yeah, come on by. Give us a listen. I like that idea of wherever you listen to podcasts. I was going to say, like, yeah, I listen to my podcast at the public library yeah. <laughs> next to a masturbating homeless man. <laughs> well, right funnily when, enough, he's right also listening with... to the Experience Points podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he is. We're both huge yep. fans. We mm. talk about it all the time. Our gaze is mad. Whenever whenever you can, can look him in the eye. Gaze, yeah, our gaze is get done with his parole officer and his Korean soap operas, he's right <laughs> there. It's the best podcast listen you can listen to one-handed. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Jesus, yeah. Speaking of podcasts that require two hands, that's not true. Uh, I don't know. Laser Time did something splendid last week that I just want to plug one more time. An interview with the creator, Roger Rabbit, in honor of the 30th anniversary. And also, I guess I should say, uh, Gary, the creator of Roger Rabbit, passed me over this, like, I don't know, I don't want to say internal list from Disney of the naughty hidden things in Roger Rabbit cartoons. And I put up two articles highlighting all of that shit on lasertimepodcast.com, where you can find this show and uh, everything else we're doing over there, including 302010, uh, co-hosted by Mrs. Michael Raparez, uh, Diana Goodman. And that's, man, I don't know if anything in top last week, but like this week is super fun. Guys, have you watched Armageddon recently? Uh, I mean, other than my weekly recently? watch, no. other than my weekly mandatory watch, no, I, not, not like today. It's, I would rather shoot myself in the it, leg. <laughs> I Look... Not not every week do we come across the stupidest movie I've ever seen. It's so much fun to watch when your draw drops drops like with all these Oscar winners and nominees. Like it's the worst dialogue premise, science. <laughs> it's it. I I didn't know it'd be so compelling twenty years later, but it really was. Absolutely. And to me, that's the highlight of this week's well, thirty twenty. Why do you, why do you think out. we're creating Space Force? Space Force. Ugh. That that and this week's laser time is all about. Um, when animal attacks stuff like Jurassic World just came out, it got me, Sam, and Sarah thinking about um, movies where animals attack, and we wanted to bring it back to like not dinosaurs, but like anacondas, Lake Placids, oh and and your Cujos. <laughs> and uh, there's also a shark attack movie coming up. Michael, what was that shark said, game I meant to send to you? Man eater. Oh, that game was great. Yeah, and and you know you know who's working PR on that? Who? Tyler, our old friend Tyler Nagata. T Dag. So awesome. shout, shout out to him, that, and uh, I, I'm, I'm deadly serious. You should use the Paul and Oates song as the theme. Uh, whether it's slowed down or maybe like one of those uh, breathy covers with the female singer. Like, you know, Fuck that. that. You pay those old geriatric men to get back in the studio. <laughs> Oates regrows his mustache, yeah. and they do it again. Yeah, rec oh, record oh, a minor key version of it. Oh, here no. he Slowed comes. Oh, no. No, no, no. Yeah. Um, so Michael mentioned, if you want to answer the question of the week, I will guarantee uh, I will post about it and mark it as an announcement. So that will appear at the top of the official Laser Time Facebook community page. On um, and then if you want to follow me, oh, wait, wait. I am at Maddie C Allen on Twitter. All thoughts there. Still bad. Still my own. 
Can't believe you think that'll save you. <laughs> <laughs> I got, let me get one more plug out of the way. Sure. Patreon.com slash LazerTime. It's how we're all supported, and we're trying to uh, not only bolster this show, but like create some new endeavors there. We will be relaunching the Patreon with new incentives, new shows, and a bunch of other new crap uh, within the next few weeks. Uh, stay with us there. And I, I, got, I did a weird experiment I'm still very uncomfortable with. Uh, I, I, this week's episode is the worst date of all time. Warning may involve juggalos. Ooh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes. Stop it. Stop it. It's, it can't be that judgmental. Yes, please. <laughs> well, as always, you can follow the show on Twitter at VG Apocalypse. And Matt, by the way, you've been doing a bang up job as our social media manager. Thank you for doing hey, that. Thank you. And I want to say, um, I was kind of joking at the beginning of the show, but in all earnestness, Michael, um, when you were out and I was doing the shows every week, I just... I want to give you more praise and more credit because it just made me realize how much hard work you put into each episode every week. Uh, and hopefully I was able to just kind of be a shadow of what you do on the show. But, um, man, thank you for giving me the opportunity. But really, you you just do an amazing job. And I personally am just so glad to have you back. And, um, yeah, man, it's it's good to hear your voice. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. That's very nice Now to Matt hear. can finally just phone it in every week. <laughs> yeah! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, and, and also you can follow me personally on Twitter at Wikiparas. That's been our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next Bye. week. I said something about like being able to slice through enemies like hot butter, blah blah blah. Mm, hot butter, Chris, are you eating hot butter right now? No, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it sounded like you were nomming on any room temperature nuts. As is Please, my way, only room temperature butter for Chris. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's actually a very San Francisco thing. I haven't seen in a while. What's that? People leaving their butter out because in Florida that shit would not stay on the plate; it would be melted. Right. Covered Nasty. in ants and crickets. Fucking, <laughs> <laughs> that's so gross. <laughs> so the next door neighbor just smearing it all over her face.